Amen, amen. Good morning. Welcome home. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to those that are online. I'll just say what we're all thinking. We all knew Shonda could sing, but we didn't know Garrett could sing. How about that? And if you thought Garrett could sing, well, you should hear Adam and I sing. Adam can play some serious air drums and air guitar. <laughs> but no, we're glad you're here this morning. We're excited for you to be here today. We're excited. We get to baptize some kids and some adults today in both services. Let's give God a hand for that. That's awesome. And then we're also going to have a ba some baptisms next week as well. So just some neat things going on. And we're in a series called All About Jesus it's good to have our kids in the room. Before I get started, let's welcome our kids. In fact, if you're under 15 years old, would you just stand real quick? All of our kids, just stand real quick. Give them a hand, all these kids. We're glad you're here. Glad you're with us today. You're important. And we're in a series called All About Jesus. And we're, it's an Easter series as we're walking towards the crucifixion and the resurrection and celebrating that Jesus is alive. And because he is alive, we can be alive and this morning, just to kick things off, I got to thinking about this phrase that goes along with our story this morning. You've heard somebody say before, I was in the right place at the right time. They were in the right place at the right time. Right place, right time. Let's say that together. Right place, right time. Several years ago, a friend of mine surprised me and my wife for tickets to the PGA golf event that was taking place in Tulsa at Southern Hills. And so we went down there and, you know, we're watching this event. And, and at that time, Phil Mickelson, some of you may know who Phil Mickelson is. He's a professional golfer. For those who don't, he's a professional golfer. And so <laughs> we were at this event. And he's kind of a famous pr professional golfer, especially back then. Anyway, we were watching these different things taking place. And we, we had this little agenda of what was going on. And so I said, Whitney, let's go over to this hole because Phil Mickelson's getting ready to tee off over there. So we went, she said, okay. So we went and we stood next to a fairway. They have a little white, a yellow rope that blocks it off. And we're standing there. And the first guy hit his ball and it was close to where we were. And just on a whim, I just said, he hits the ball farther than that. And he's next, you know, he's known for being a long driver. Let's slide down about 10 or 15 yards. So we did. And all of a sudden this ball comes over the fairway and lands on the fairway and then starts dropping right next to where we were talking about right place right time now I wasn't for sure that it was going to be filled because I couldn't see it was clear up above the hill I thought I had the pairing right and I'm sitting there waiting and all of a sudden I see if you know what he wears he wears black on black he's like Johnny Cash only he's a golfer black on black and he has this black hat and he comes over and, and um, in fact one of his people was like hey hold this rope back so he can he can you know hit the ball and so I'm holding the rope and Whitney's looking at me I'm like So he's underneath a tree, so they're talking about how to punch the ball out. And so I figured he needed some help. So I'm like, you know, I wouldn't use a five iron there. I would, no, I'm just kidding. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So no, I just, <laughs> I just held the rope and watched him hit the ball, and it was an awesome shot. And I was like, that was pretty much my claim to fame, that 15 minutes of fame. Some of you have stories like there where you were at the right place, at the right time. My father-in-law happened to be at a hotel when President Gerald Ford at the time in the 70s 
was they were going by, and so he actually got to shake his hand. Some of you have stories where you ran into somebody accidentally, right place, right time. And if you were going to interview this guy named Bartimaeus, he was in the right place at the right time. He was doing his daily thing, kids, where he was a blind guy. So what he did for money was he begged. And he was sitting beside the roadside, and he was more than... Phil Mickelson or, or Gerald Ford or whoever you have in your mind that you've ran into, more than all of those people, he hit the jackpot of being in the right place at the right time. Because as they, people were coming into Jericho, Jesus is, and his disciples, they're together in a large crowd. They're leaving the city. And there's a blind man, Bartimaeus, who was sitting, let's read it, sitting by the roadside begging. He's in the right place at the right time. And as he's sitting there begging, he hears, because obviously he can't see, he hears that it was Jesus of Nazareth that was coming through. And he begins to shout. Some of you know what it's like to shout because you're at a ball game and you hear shouting. Sometimes you're trying to yell at someone across the room or you're upset, you're shouting. We reserve shouting for when you're wanting to get someone's attention. And this man decides to shout and it's not just that he shouts, it's what he shouts that kind of tells you about his faith and also eventually gets Jesus' attention. He says, Jesus, son of David, which tells Jesus that he recognizes that he is the Messiah because we know that Jesus comes from the line of David. He doesn't just call him Jesus. He doesn't call him prophet. He doesn't say, hey, the guy who's healing people Hey, big guy. Hey, famous guy. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He can't see. You know, they say like, if, and some of you know this, but like if you lose your hearing, then, then your eyesight's better. If you lose your eyesight, then your hearing's better. You know, it's like your senses. And he hears that Jesus is in town. He hears that he's walking by. He, he's ready. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Just shouting it. Now, the people around them, they know this. They don't know him personally, but they've heard of Jesus also. And this blind beggar is not exactly the, the premier guy that you want representing your town and trying to get Jesus' attention. You know, those people, have you ever been somewhere, parents, where you talk to your kids before you go in and you're like, do not embarrass me. Do you understand? Don't say anything. Maybe you say that to your spouse. <laughs> okay? Do not embarrass me. Okay, don't say anything. What do you mean? Like you normally do. Don't say anything. And they say, they start rebuking him. And they tell him to be quiet. In fact, it doesn't just say that he's rebuked. It says that many rebuked him. So to get this scene, you have a blind guy who's asking for help. And you have a bunch of people who are telling him to be quiet. But this guy is more focused on what Jesus can do and who he is than what they're saying. Amen? Man, we can learn from that, huh? And it doesn't deter him at all. In fact, it says that he shouted what, church? All, all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. This gets Jesus' attention. I mean, when you think about it, there's a lot of people probably yelling and, and, you know, you've been somewhere before, a baseball game or something. I remember watching George Brett growing up as a kid and, 
you know, he, signing autographs. Everybody's trying to get his attention. There's people all around Jesus. And this guy gets Jesus' attention. And he says, he stops. Which implies he, he was in motion prior. He's walking, whatever he's doing. Stop. Tell him to come here. Jesus, son of David on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, quit. Be quiet. He's calling for you. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. So he throws his coat down. He jumps to his feet and he comes to Jesus. Now Jesus, we know, knows everything, right? Kiddos in the room, those online, adults in the room. Everybody knows if you've grown up in church and you read scripture that Jesus is omniscient. You're like, what does that mean? Omniscient means all-knowing. Jesus is all-knowing. So Jesus knows the answer to the question, but yet he still asks this question to, to the blind man. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. I want you to name, I want you to say what you need. I don't want you to just, I'm not just going to give it to you. Tell me what you need. And the blind man just says, Rabbi, which means teacher, I want to see. Jesus says, go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight, let's finish it, and followed Jesus along the road. So this morning, I know we've got some baptisms here in just a little bit. I just want to walk us through this passage of Scripture because even though it's a story that we tell our kids in children's church, it's a story that if you've grown up in the church, you've heard before probably. And if you haven't, then let me just tell you, there's some powerful things in this passage of Scripture. So we're going to just kind of exegete, which just simply means to go through the Scripture and look at some different things. And the first thing that stands out is what you notice, and that is, is it wasn't just that he was in the right place at the right time, but he had a need, he recognized the need, and he shouted. The thought that I have with that is, is that asking for help can produce powerful results. Amen? Asking for help can produce powerful results. But it's not just asking for help. It's asking the right person, the right person, the right people for help. And in this case, there's no greater person than Jesus Christ to ask for help. I got to thinking about that today because oftentimes in our lives, what keeps us from asking for help is pride. We don't want to ask someone for help. We're struggling with something. We're dealing with an issue. We need someone to help us move. We need advice. We need encouragement. We're really, you know, have you ever asked somebody before how they're doing and they say fine? And most of the time when they say fine, they're really not doing fine. And this man has the, the wherewithal to not worry about what other people think, to not worry about how undignified it sounds, and to simply shout, Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. It reminds me of the scripture passage that David writes in Psalm 121, 1 through 2. And I think this is probably for somebody today that's in here or you're watching online today. That you're looking for help on Google. You're looking for help from a doctor. You're looking for advice from a friend. Some of us, we ask advice of people who aren't even believers, who don't even have God's word in our hearts. And then we're frustrated when they give us advice that doesn't really 
help or doesn't lead us down the right path. David says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In fact, it starts with a question. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? In fact, this morning, if you're thinking, where can, I, where can I get the help that I need? Where can I get the power that I need? Where can I get the strength that I need? Where can I get the wisdom I need? David reminds us our help comes from the Lord. Let's read those yellow words. My help comes from the Lord. Amen. And pride is an ugly thing. It's a thing that keeps us from what God has for us. This morning, we think about this simple story about a blind beggar who's asking for help. But what about us? Another thing that's interesting in this story is, is he has some adversity that he has to overcome. In fact, as a follower, sometimes, especially those who are young in the faith, I've heard people say, well, I, asked my, I gave my life to Jesus and my circumstances didn't change any. The reality is this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus for any length at all, you know that just because we're following Jesus doesn't mean that all of our circumstances are going to be fixed. And we're going to have people that are going to come at us. We're still going to have temptations that we're going to face. And, you know, when we think about this passage of Scripture and we think about these people that are telling him, hey, dude, shut your mouth. Be quiet. Not just what they were saying, how they were, be quiet. Dude, stand down. You're the last person that needs to say anything. <laughs> Stand down. You're the last person that needs to say anything. Excuse me. And you know, sometimes it's not someone else's voice that's telling us that. Sometimes it's ours. Like sometimes we can be the worst negative self-talk person we know. Who am I? He tells him, not only is he told to be quiet, but it says many rebuked him. A thought that, that we could grab from that is not everyone's voice in your ear is worth listening to. Teenagers, not every voice is worth listening to. Adults, not everybody in the break room at work is worth listening to. John 10, 27 says, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This morning, I would ask you and I both a question of whose voice are we listening to? When it comes to self-control and discipline, whose voice are we listening to? When we want to say that thing, when we want to chirp back, whose voice are we listening to? In fact, the truth is, as we all know, if the man in the story, the blind beggar, would have listened to the many, he's probably not healed. He probably continues being blind and begging, but he chose not to listen. So a question I have this morning is, whose voice does the Holy Spirit need to help you turn down? Maybe it's your own. Maybe it's someone in your life who's discouraging you. Maybe it's your own. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's, I'm not telling you just not to listen to people. What I'm saying is if someone's telling you something that doesn't go along with God's word, that's not a voice you need to listen to. 
So they tell him, be quiet. And he has a decision that he has to make. Am I going to be quiet? Am I going to let the, the correct people, the people that really, you know, the ones that have status in the town, talk with Jesus? Or am I, with my legitimate need, going to come to him and say, hey, so you know what? If many people are going to tell me to be quiet, I'm just going to shout louder. In fact, Scripture says that he shouted all the more, which in my brain means that he, he was, it was louder and, and quicker and more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up. Jesus, son of David. Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Me, God. Jesus, right here. I want my healing. I want to be delivered. Stop. Tell him to come here. It isn't always what you say, but how you say it. We've all been there before. We're tired at the end of the day. You scrape together some meal. Lord, thanks for the food. Have a good one. We've all had somebody tell us, would you pray for me? And you feel bad not to pray for him, but you don't take the time to really pray for him. So you do this in-between thing where you're like, Lord, God, be with John Doe, you know, he's really going through some stuff. Amen. And God still hears our prayers. Then there's times where we get on our face and we pray for a kid or we pray for someone we know. Or we maybe even fast. Do you know there's certain things that God doesn't just answer with prayer. He answers with prayer and fasting. We've all been in discussions before with people, and it wasn't what our spouse said that offended us, but how they said it, right? And kids, we've all been there before. What it wasn't how it wasn't that your parents asked you to clean your room, it was how they said it that was harsh, right? It wasn't what your adult child said to you on the phone that was about them not coming to family dinner. It was how they said it. We get this. It's not, it's not a new concept. And what got Jesus' attention wasn't just what he said, but how he said it. Now, Jesus, son of David, identifies that he's the Messiah. That's an important part of what the beggar was saying. It let Jesus know that he, he recognized who he was. But it was also this desperation. What's the need that you have? Maybe you're struggling with an addiction Maybe you're struggling to get along with someone in a relationship. Maybe you're dealing with a financial issue. It's not always what you say, but, but how you say it. Are you, are you praying in earnest? And, and let me just say, I don't believe that God only hears emotional prayers where, we, where we, we yell really loud or we're really, really quiet. That's not what I'm trying to say today. What I'm trying to say is there has to be this point where we believe in faith so much that, God, hear me. Sometimes when we're praying like that, God, God heals and God comes through. And then other times it feels like I, I prayed and, and nothing happened and we're not God and we don't understand situations. 
But the reality is God is drawn, Jesus is drawn to faith. He shouted all the louder. And then he stops. And he calls him. Authentic faith gets Jesus' attention. You know what I mean? You've been somewhere before, Walmart or some other place, and you see some child being very respectful, which is how it should be all the time, right? But we don't see that very much in our culture today. And when you see it, it stands out. Authentic faith, trusting in Jesus fully, gets his attention. So the question I have for us today is, where's your faith? Where's my faith? Are you trusting in what you can see? Or are you trusting in the one that you can't always see? His faith, authentic faith, get Jesus's, got Jesus' attention. And then he asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? What if he, Jesus is everywhere, he's here today, right now, but we can't physically see him, but If he was here today and he asked you that question, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you want me to do for you? What would you say? He asked the question and then the blind man just says, Rabbi, I want to see. Man, pretty simple this morning, but sometimes we just need to tell Jesus what we need. Amen? Lord, this is what I need. And we trust that no matter whether it's answered exactly the way that we want or maybe not in the timing that we want or, or not how we want, whatever, we trust that he, God is in control, amen, and that he knows. What do you need today? Wisdom, direction, perseverance, self-control, hope, faith. Tell Jesus what you need. Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Jesus says, go. Your faith, your faith, let's say that, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he began to follow Jesus. Jesus can do anything, so believe it. Let's read that. Jesus can do anything. So believe it. As the band comes up this morning, somebody needs to hear that simple truth today that you would get right on a test but don't always believe in your own spirit. Jesus can do anything. So we talked about the right place at the right time. And I want to believe today and do believe that This is the right place, and this is the right time. If you're watching online, this is the right place, and this is the right time. We happen to have our children with us today. This is the right place and the right time. This morning, we have these things called altars. And when I was a little kid, I always thought that an altar was a place where you were doing something bad, and you needed to come and let it go. And it... It is a place to be able to confess things that that are going on in our life. But it's also a place to find hope. It's also a place to talk with Jesus. 
It's also a place to come and pray for someone else. It's also a place to come meet with Jesus. But also right where you're sitting is also a place you can do those things. But this morning, we're in the right place at the right time, and Jesus is here. He's not just passing by. He's always here, amen? And he, he's passing by. And you can just be quiet. You can just sit here or stand or whatever. Or you can cry out and say, hey, Jesus. Kids, that's for you too. Adults, that's for you. So as we stand together this morning, you can certainly pray right where you're at, but if you'd like to come and pray down here, you're invited to do that.